Welcome to the Tearing It Up podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. We'll be tearing it up, tearing it down, and tearing it apart, dissecting all things related to those who deviate from the standard. From leaders of their industry to leaders of mediocrity, and maybe a gear review or two thrown in. We shoot the shit and let the conversations flow, so if that's not your style, this may not be for you. Otherwise, listen in. Hope to light a fire in you somehow. All right. So we are here this week with Casey Westbrook. So Casey, we met at the Sturdy Dirty uh, that we've been talking about since it happened. So we're going on like a month and a half of every podcast. We're talking about it, whether it's because we have a guest from it or just memories because it was such a good time. Um, And Casey actually was one of the people who was on the podcast and we did our live recording at the event. And we had some things in common. We just wanted to talk more to her and learn more about like what she does, where she's from and all that fun stuff. So Casey, I'm going to turn it over to you just to give a little introduction. Like where, where are you at in the world right now? Yeah. Hey everyone. Yeah. I'm Casey. I am currently in Bend, Oregon. Um, fun spot. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know what, for some reason in my head just now, I was thinking Idaho. I know we talked where you're from, but I I don't know why I got Idaho stuck in my head now. I'm like, oh, I totally remember now. Okay. (laughs) So Bend, are you from Bend or how long have you been in Bend? Yeah. So I've been in Bend like kind of four years, uh, but I'm originally from Santa Cruz. So I grew up in Santa Cruz County. Um, didn't mountain bike there. I was an endurance. I was a runner for a while. Um, and that's where that all started in Santa Cruz. Yeah. Santa Cruz mountains. Oh, that's awesome. So that's uh so I'm in Tahoe. So Santa yeah. Cruz, you know, isn't too, too far hopping, a skip and a jump away. I haven't, I biked down there. Um, Right after I got back from Washington. So after the sturdy dirty, I was in Washington for another week and a half or so, or almost two weeks. And when I came back yeah. down to Tahoe, I had to go that direction. So that was the first time I got to bike in Santa Cruz, but I just did one quick trail. Um, and I'm dying to go back and, and figure out some more fun spots to go or explore a little more. I just didn't have a lot of time, but I know yeah. how it is with like, I didn't start mountain biking until I moved to Tahoe. So I feel like even in Washington, you know, I've gone a handful of times when I've been able to bring my bike and hit Tiger Mountain and Raging River and stuff. But I really haven't gotten to explore like Washington where I'm from a whole lot. So have you been back to Santa Cruz and biked like since you started biking? Yeah, totally. It's so funny, like going back now as a mountain biker, like riding all these trails that I would run. And I'd be like, why is this trail like this? Like, why are all these like weird like flowy things. I just remember being like, this is so weird. Um, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun going back now. Oh, I see what this is now. This is like so much more fun than running them. It really yeah. is way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I haven't been on uh, a lot of those trails, like I said, but I will just agree with that because running is just not my favorite thing to do. And when I do go out and run trails, I'm like, man, I really wish I was biking this. Hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, to each their own. And it's fun too, to go out, you know, it's, I still just like being out there. So even though I hate running because I'm bad at it, you know, it's like, it's, you're out there. So you can't complain too much. I know it's true. It's just like another way to get out in nature. Exactly. I so appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. So with the running and whatnot that you were doing before you got to bend, well, are you still doing that? Were you racing or what's, was it all just for fun? 
Yeah. So I grew up running like me and my dad would run all the time. And that was like my first sport. Um, and I ran from the age of like eight till I was 24. Um, so I ran for a long time, just like mostly for my own pleasure, like I did in high school. And then when I got into college, I learned about this thing called ultra marathon running (laughs) (laughs) ultras, which I think everyone knows about, like many of us know about this now if we're in any sort of outdoor sport. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I got into ultras and that was an interesting couple of years of my life. Um, and eventually I got injured, oh. which is like super classic running story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually I got injured and I was kind of lost until I found mountain biking after that. So that's sort of my journey of like, I was a runner for a long time. That was my like way to connect to nature. I like lost that and wasn't sure what to do. And then mountain biking has that same feel of like really being out there and connected to nature, but also this like super fun skill component, which was super new to me because running is just like, you just run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think getting into ultras, especially, you know, those are like on trails and whatnot. There's a, there's a skill or technique. You got to kind of figure out how to navigate, be nimble or something, but yeah, that, the skill it takes to bike different levels of trails or different terrain, I feel like is it's, it's constant. I mean, because unless you're someone who can travel all the time to all this different terrain, it's hard to gain all the skills you need to ride different areas. Like riding here is vastly different than riding Santa Cruz and then different from riding Washington as well. There's similarities and things, but it's just like you get on different dirt and you're like, Oh shit. You know, there's differences in snow and the winter too, but I don't know. For me, it feels like I notice a, the biggest difference with uh, mountain biking in the different terrain than like ri- like snowboarding, different snow or terrain or anything. And maybe I trust some skill, like the snow skills more than mountain bike skills or something. But yeah, that's that's how I feel about that. I hear you. Yeah, like it's definitely I think there's just endless terrain and features because uh, there's like trees or rocks or like bigger rocks or bigger trees or like <laughs> yeah. more sketchy roots or like dust or really like amazing loam and snow yeah like I agree like there's some level of variation but perhaps not like to the extent that we experience in mountain biking yeah I feel like the biggest thing is when you get into um like warm weather snow where it's sticky so <laughs> when if you're not used to riding that or skiing that or whatever, um, you know, that like urching stop feeling can be something to get used to, but that's the biggest difference I feel is, and then of course, like deep, deep snow, like that just burns your muscles in different, different ways. But I feel like in my head, there's like three different types of snow, um, that I have to like adjust my body to in riding. But yeah, with biking, I feel like it's endless because you could see all these different types, like in one trail, you could have a, a part of the trail that's like, fully exposed to sun baked. So that's just like moon dust. And then you could get into the trees where it can be rooty or just a rock section, a rock garden. It's like, you just, who, who knows, but I, it's fun to explore for sure. (laughs) It's so fun. Yeah. So yeah. Um, when let's see, you got into biking, were you in bend by then or what actually I want to know about your injury. Was it like an overuse injury or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a weird injury. Yeah. So what happened was I was training for, um, 
a hundred K race, which is like 63 miles. Uh, and two weeks before the race, I go climbing with my friend, just like indoor climbing. And I was playing around on something I hadn't tried before. And I ended up like slipping off the rock and like hitting my knee super hard on the wall, which like didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal, like whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was two weeks before the race. And ultimately like it caused this like tendonitis. So I went on and ran the race anyway. Oh my God. Which was uh, definitely like not the best call, but was the call that I made. And yeah, after the race, like I couldn't straighten my knee. I couldn't like bend it all the way. It was just like super inflamed and pissed. And uh, so I didn't run for like two years after that without pain. Oh, um, and it definitely like stopped my running like right in its tracks. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm not sure what to do here. I just was like kind of at a loss. But um, yeah, the other thing that wasn't happening is I was doing like absolutely no strength training at the time. Mm. which I think contributed to it because if I look at my running mechanics, they're truly awful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like I'm not sure how old you are now, but I feel like there is definitely a point in time that it wasn't talked about, um, like strength training and running, like combining those two things, especially if you were racing or something that is like, you didn't want to, it, it wasn't condoned really to strength train because your muscles will be like too strong. You'll get too heavy. You'll like lose endurance or something. Um, and now I think it's much more widely accepted that you strength train with, with any sport really like you want a strong muscles um, or skeletal system and all that. And that helps your joints and everything and all these endurance endeavors, but it's always hard to figure out hybrid training. So especially I'm sure, when you were running in college that it was just like, no, I'm not thinking about like squatting and deadlifting and stuff to make my running better. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Like, I think it was like starting to come out, like the research was there, but like culturally it wasn't like a thing, mm-hmm. especially for women. Yeah. And like, it wasn't something like, even though like that's what I was going to school for, like we didn't learn it. And like, it wasn't something I, I had learned at the time. So um, yeah, I just wasn't like feasible at the time and now it's like I think like you said yeah more people are on board and realize how important it is yeah did you after your injury I know it took you some time but how did mountain biking come about just a friend got you into it or what was your first experience mountain biking they're not always pretty that's for sure (laughs) yeah mine was uh relatively pretty (laughs) (laughs) yeah I had a good intro so my husband and I started mountain biking around the same time and he like had demoed a bike. He was like, you have to try this. And so I like went out with him on his second ride and I was like, okay, like I get it. This is sick. Um, so That's awesome. You're just, yeah. You're in Bend, which is like, I think one of the best places to be a beginner mountain biker because it has such a gradient from like, I would say like there are some advanced trails, but most trails are like really, really beginner friendly and really intermediate friendly. So it was just such a great place to learn because there's so much like really mellow terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really great introduction for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I've ridden once in Bend. Actually, it was just this last fall. I was on a, like a work thing with a running company with on running and mm-hmm. it's funny because it's a running company but they took us all mountain biking but we did a shuttle ride and it was a lot of fun I was kind of hurt at that point too though I had a broken finger and then I'd just been attacked by like bees uh, I had several 
like stings all over my legs and my ankle had been super swollen. So I didn't have a lot of like flexion in it. Um, and oh, no. so I was like, yeah, I wasn't really in biking shape because I hadn't been in, I mean, it was fine, easy ride, but I was like, oh God, I just, I wanted to be able to experience it at its full. So it's definitely on my list to stop and bend one of these times I'm driving up to Washington with my bike, like making time to just, it's only, you know, like an hour or something out of my way coming back down or going up. So it's definitely worth it to stop. Yeah, definitely. Love to show you around. Yes, totally. And I know Amber would love it too. So if we can get our schedules to coordinate and I can get her to just like meet me and bend or something, but um, which by the way, listeners, sorry, she's not just, I'm not over talking Amber. She's actually not here <laughs> today. Um, she wasn't able to make it today, but we've already had a rescheduled Casey. So we just wanted to get her on. So, um, but she'll be back next week. So anyways, um, you mentioned school and what you studied or, you know, that you didn't study or kind of studied like strength training and whatnot, but you weren't, um, integrating that into your training. So what did you study exactly? Yeah. So I studied exercise science. Uh, they call it kinesiology. Maybe you've heard that. Yeah. You probably heard that word before. I don't know how many people have heard that word. Hold um, on. Yeah, I so want I... you to, yeah. sorry, real quick, say it one more time, nice and slow, because this message is specifically for my friend, Joe, who, when I told him like, yeah, Joe, I was trying to study kinesiology. He was like, what? That's a made up term. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you study? Kinesiology. Yes, Joe. It's it's real. real. (laughs) It's real. Yeah. It's out there. Uh, Ultimately it's the study of human movement. So that's can be, that's, it's really, really broad. It's like, everything it's like you have exercise physiology and biomechanics and like then you have like the psychosocial like components of like why do we move like motivation like why do people not move so it was really interesting and all-encompassing um and I had a ton of fun in it yeah where did you study San Francisco State Oh, nice. Cool. State. <laughs> not, yeah. not too far from, from where you were. And then, um, what took you after school? Where'd you go? What happened? You just went straight into, were you intending on taking that? Cause I know with kinesiology, so I didn't actually study it. Um, uh, my path went a different way, but that's what I was wanting to go to school for when, when that was on you know, my mind. Um, but I know that you can kind of go several different ways, like the physical therapist route or personal training route, you know, so many other things in between, but did you, did you know at the beginning of, uh, like when you started school, which route you were going to take or how did you decide where to go next? Yeah, I definitely thought I knew what I was going to do. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be a physical therapist. Yep. That was like the only job I really knew about in the mm-hmm. movement world. Like physical therapy. That's like a job. Yep. Um, same. I never yeah. thought of personal training. Like I saw yeah. him at the gym. We went to like LA fitness or something in Tacoma, but I just, I also knew of personal training certificates and I knew a lot of people just went that route. And so I thought with kinesiology, yeah, my intention with it was like, physical therapist and I'm going to work on like only athletes. Um, but then, yeah, I learned a little bit more about physical therapy and stuff. I'm like, Oh, maybe, I don't know. 
<laughs> same that was kind of my experience I kind of okay. got into like the internships and I was like uh, and the other part was like I was like I see where my life is going and I'm not ready to like know where I'm going yet like mm-hmm. that's and that's maybe not what I want like I don't want to be I want like some mystery and I want to like figure it out a little bit more on my own yeah and so then I thought I'm gonna go into academia and I got my master's and I was like I'm gonna be a professor um that's also not what I ended up doing. <laughs> you got your master's in the same um, yeah. realm to, to mm-hmm. teach like people kinesiology or uh, human movement anatomy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I was really into like the cultural aspects of movement and exercise physiology were my two favorite. I was really passionate about it. Like who has access to movement and then like how does all like the nitty gritty work in our bodies? That's awesome. Uh, it was really fun. Um, yeah. And then I got into academia and I was like, this isn't quite the vibe I want. <laughs> so uh, ultimately I jumped around a bit and landed on um, strength and conditioning, which I had started during my master's just to like make some money on the side. Okay. And uh, then I was like, I really like this. This is really fun. <laughs> it's got like the psychology and the social aspects, but also like we still get to incorporate like biomechanics and physiology into all this, especially working with endurance athletes where it's like, it is the biomechanics, but it's also like physiologically we need different things for like Mm -hmm. different aspects of what we're doing in our sport in particular, like outdoor athletes. Yeah. Well, I love that you, you know, kind of, you had the experience that dipped your toes in over here and then over there and, we're able to make the call like, yeah, not quite what I want, because so often with our society, and I think it it's, you know, changing a bit the landscape. But again, when I was in school and whatnot, it was very linear of like, go to school, graduate, get your job, get married, whatever have you. Um, I never really did any of that. But for you to have gotten your degree and then get a master's and then still say like, yeah, no, I'm like, that's not exactly what I want to do, at least like right now. I think that's really powerful for people to hear and understand that, yeah, you can go to school, you can get your degree, but that doesn't mean that, you know, if if it's still not jiving with you, if you're still not ready or feeling it out, you don't have to do it right then. I mean, you can still go into academia later in your life. You can, you know, go down the physical therapy road again, if you want people change their lives and careers, you know, over 40, over 50, like well into their lives. So it just gave you more options, I think, to have to have those things. So that's really cool like that you just kept exploring till you found like what is working with you in your life right now and what you're enjoying. And that education that you have doing what you do is just is like priceless. Well, you know, there's a price tag on it, I'm sure. But, price, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, being 100%. able to work with clients of all different um, abilities or, you know, desires I think is you just can connect so much more with that endurance athlete who is maybe running or racing you can help them down to like such minute levels and you can also help you know the general public just get in shape they may not care at all about what joint or muscle is working in that movement but the fact is you can tell them and you can get dive deeper with anybody if they want to so you just have such a gives you such a broad range of people to be able to work with yeah it's super it's so fun but so are you in um you have your own company 
Yeah. And as you're training people, um, one-on-one or do you do like group classes? Are you affiliated with a gym or how do you, how's your business structured right now? Yeah. So I work with people in person and I work with people online. So it's both. And I do mostly one-on-one, but I do have some group classes. I have a really amazing women's group. We meet in person twice a week here in Bend. It's just, yeah. And I really only work with women primarily, which is just like, it's really special to see like what happens when we like lift weights. Yes, totally. I 100% agree. I too, when I started, I was just in a gym. Um, and so I kind of worked with anyone that came my way, but I was still, it was still mostly women anyways. Cause I think women in general, if there was a women person, a woman personal trainer, they kind of leaned towards that. And I also feel that my gym, like, pushed me towards that almost like I don't know like they were vetting clients or something it was a small gym and not a big box gym but it still never gave me like the best vibes of how they did things but Mm. moving out of the gym like when COVID hit um, I definitely put my focus towards women because so many still you know are afraid to like lift weights and I, I you know living in this crazy uh outdoor place that people are doing so many different things it's like no you gotta we gotta keep ourselves strong to be on the trails whether you're running or biking or whatnot like don't be afraid to lift that barbell or a heavy dumbbell dumbbell um and it's just so a word I've said before in this podcast that I hate to use but in the moment can't think of another like empowering you know just to show you that you can you can fucking do it. It was like amazing. Yeah. And then to see that from people, like the realization that they're like, wow, I, I can do that. Um, that's my favorite part of it. Yeah. It's so like beautiful to watch people see like you're stronger than you think you are and mm-hmm. you can do more than you thought you could. Yeah. Well, I feel like way. as women too, you go about your day and especially if you have children, um, and young children, you're lifting and carrying them all throughout the day, carrying groceries, doing all these things that it's like, you don't even realize that throughout the day, you might be carrying like a 60 pound child around on your hip or something, you know? So it's like, of course you can pick that kettlebell up and walk down and back, you know, on the gym and do some farmer's carries or something or, or deadlift that barbell. And you can, if you have no problem, you know, lifting this up throughout your day, you can lift up a heavier barbell and, said it's just seeing people put that together to like oh yeah I am doing like all this throughout my day so why can't I do it in this like structured um environment and and putting it all together is just like I said when women are realizing their true power is something I'm all there for yeah it's really cool it's cool how this like yeah it feels like a lab like the gym is a bit of a lab type environment it's controlled but then like it just translates into every other part of your life like mm-hmm. oh like all these things I thought like I was too fragile or not like capable or like I can't like put like big energy and effort into something it's like no like you can you can like you can try hard you're not fragile you're not gonna break like yep you're capable exactly exactly it's like when you're putting yourself through some things that you're not thinking about, you're just tunnel vision going through your day-to-day life. Um, but then when you're sitting there thinking about it, like thinking too much, it's like the paralysis by analysis. You're like, come on, it just 
think about it a little bit less and you know you can do it. <laughs> like you, yeah. you got you got through this in life, you get through this every day. Like you can you can do this right here, right now. Um I want to hear more about your women's group. So you guys meet twice a week. Uh is, is yeah. that year round? Like can you do or do you do outside in the summer or in the gym or what's it what's it like? Yeah, it's in the gym. Big like garage doors when you open the doors. And um yeah, we meet twice a week. We just go in there, we lift heavy. Um, we're all like recreational athletes, so we focus on strength training that's gonna support like I have like women who are mountain bikers, skiers, snowboarders, like hikers. There's a girl who like we have a river wave here in bed. Oh yeah, I drove past that. <laughs> yeah, she surfs the river wave and like she skateboards, climbers. So it's really focused on like strength that's gonna supplement all of our outdoor activities, um, whatever that is. And like ultimately so that we can be in partnership with whoever our partner is instead of like, you know, if you have a male partner, you're not necessarily relying on them for everything. Like you could be equal partners in life in that way if you want to. Or you and your female partner, like you can be equal partners in strength and that's possible for you. I love that. Are you like making a structured workout that everyone's doing for the class or is it kind of like just an like an open gym style or you have a couple different options depending on what they do for like you got your mountain bikers over here and your surfer over here or whatnot are they or is everyone doing the same thing or what pretty much folks are doing the same thing um depending like some people are working towards like more pull-ups or more this or that like we'll get more I'll give more specific recommendations but it depends on yeah largely we're doing similar things. Maybe we're focusing like slightly differently on them, Mm -hmm. um, depending on where folks are at. Right. So well, that's the thing with functional training at like functional strength training is that you can, I can write a workout and I can say this workout is for a skier. And then I can take that same workout and say, this workout's for a mountain biker, because all you have to do in many times is like change the language, right? You're like, you're yeah. working your uh, like hips because and this is how it correlates to skiing and this is how it correlates right. to biking. So, so many of the movements we do, it's like that movement's not just for this person over here. Um, but it's just funny to get it into people's minds that like you really just have to change the language a little and relate it to them. But I mean, that's that's with everything in life. You have to be able to relate to it to, to relate to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, yeah, we as like athletes of any kind, we use the same, we really all use similar movement patterns. Like we just apply them to different surfaces and materials. And we like tend to avoid certain movement patterns, like overall mm-hmm. outdoor athletes, like don't do any hinging or deadlifting type motions. So like we all need to do that. And mm-hmm. we all do like some sort of squat or lunge in our sport and working on stability there can be helpful. But yeah, ultimately like if you break down the movement patterns, really similar things are happening in our sports. Mm-hmm. We just are applying it like slightly differently. Yep. Whether that's when you're getting like more serious into your training, maybe that's like the weight you're using or the amount of reps you're doing or something, or maybe in this sport, you're putting a little more focus on um, unilateral movements, maybe over here, you're focusing a little more on bilateral, but I like what you mentioned about the deadlift thing. Cause I actually got a bike fit recently from a a woman in Truckee who she has a business called the 
outdoor women's wellness. It's super cool. They do like webinars year round. Um, so it's kind of a remote, it is a remote thing. Anyone can join anywhere and join in on these webinars because she has a network of women from like physical therapists to nutritionists, mental health and all that. So they do all these different um, webinars on their different subjects. And so she is a physical therapist and we were doing my bike fit and she mentioned something about a deadlift, like your back position, just in a bike, like having that flat back. She's like, that's, you know, a part of the deadlift, that's your hinge. So no, you're not moving through the full range of motion of a deadlift. But if you think about that, that position in this certain part of the movement, I'm like, Oh yeah, I love that because so you're not thinking deadlift in mountain biking, but then I think with that flat back kind of hips back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but again, that's for me who does those movements in the gym, I can correlate that for someone else who's not deadlifting. They may, you know, be like that. No, means nothing to me, but (laughs) yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) But, um, and that there's so many movements too. You don't think about like, you may think skiing as, or snowboarding more like bilateral, like you're in snowboarding, your feet are strapped in. Right. But you still need like your legs aren't working evenly. So focusing on unilateral training as a snowboarder could still be important because one of your legs is working more in certain conditions that like you want to make sure you're trying to get some sort of symmetry in your body, even though I firmly believe we'll never be symmetrical, (laughs) but you have the goal is to try and get as close as possible to that. Um, And, and yeah, so you have to think about the things that you're not doing in your sport and do it outside of your sport. I think yeah. Way of looking at it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All that unilateral training, all the things. Yeah. So important. Yeah. So do you do, um, like specialize in training programs for these athletes? Like, do you offer, um, mountain bike strength training, like preseason kind of programs or is your, are you just kind of strength and conditioning and then again, just kind of changing the language as to why people are doing things? Yeah, no. So ultimately I work with athletes throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, what's special about what like we can do as coaches and like what I do is really working on seasonizing people's training. Like mm-hmm. for right now, people who are like snow, like winter is my season. Like right now is what we're hitting heavier weights in the gym. So I have a, a woman right now, she's going to be competing in like a really big, um, or like cross country ski race in February. And so she's training really hard right now for that race. So like right now we're focusing on like building really strong base, like mm-hmm. working on those unilateral movements, working on like a lot of like strength, stability, mobility for her training. And then like, as her season progresses, like things are going to start shifting because she's going to be ramping up her aerobic performance aerobic work and the strength just needs to like stay consistent Mm -hmm. so I think what's cool about working with athletes who are seasonal is like we get to seasonize your training so that like it's meeting you where you're at and like you're working hard in a season where you have more space and you're maintaining your strength in that season where you're like no this is my performance season I need to be I want well I don't need to but maybe I want to be focusing on like riding well skiing well or whatever it is that we're focusing on. I love that. And I think that's great for, you know, anyone to hear any recreational athlete too, because 
think we can get caught up in the seasons we're in of like, okay, I don't want to go to the gym right now because I'm just outside riding my bike as much as possible. And I totally get it. But it's still, you know, you still want to maintain your strength. Like if you cut it out completely, it makes it that much kind of harder to come back. And again, even if you don't have specific goals of, you know, one rep max numbers or something, it's like try to keep a little bit of resistance training in during whatever your season is. And then that way, when your season tapers off, like you kind of are just right there. You're not kind of you're picking up where you left off essentially. And you're be able to build like so that base. And a lot of, I'm sure you have a lot of athletes too, who are multiple season. So trying to maintain that, like, yeah, I bike all summer and then fall is kind of my off season, but I'm right back in this in the winter. So trying to maintain that year round um, schedule or routine, I think is super important for people. Yeah. And it just like makes our body so resilient because ultimately most of us are doing sports that like, shit's going to happen. Like mm-hmm. we're going to fall, like something wonky is going to happen. And like, if we have that strength in our muscles and our tendons, it's going to result in like fewer consequences and like faster recovery time. So it is important to maintain it because like, it's going to keep you riding longer, especially if you're trying harder features or, yeah. or you're going faster, like whatever it is you're doing. I think the injury prevention and the recovery just in itself are like two main drivers for me personally is like, I have definitely been through phases of my life where I haven't maintained a good, um, strength program or something. And and I mean, I can just tell when that injury does come around of like, Oh God, like this is going to take a while to recover from versus the time that I'm maintaining well. And yeah, of course there's injuries that just take us out, but you know, Generally, for just those more minor injuries, you can tell a huge difference when you're maintaining a regular strength program. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's really cool is people think like strength training needs to be like super hard all the time. Mm -hmm. And like we need to be crushing ourselves. I think I definitely had a history of that growing like in my early training days. It's like if I wasn't like super sore and like crushed after my workout, like it's not doing anything. And like, there's moments for that in time, but mm-hmm. all the time it's not necessary. And especially now that like, I have all these other reasons I'm training. It's like, I don't, I not, almost never want to feel like that after the gym. Like that's not my, my spot. And so I think what I really want people to know is like strength training really needs to be like only moderate most mm-hmm. of the time. Like we're not working at max loads, almost like never we're working at maximal effort. And you shouldn't be crushed every time you leave the gym. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. I think the no pain, no gain, you know, um, kind of state of life. It's like people are still living in it for sure. And I think especially in a place that you, where you live with a, like a lot of athletes, they still have that mentality. I have the hardest time. I still have some friends who I think feel that way. And I get it. Cause for myself too, it was a hard transition and still some days is to be like, was that like a good enough workout, you know, but when I can like sit down on the toilet the next couple days without a problem and, um, and I'm not just exhausted after my workout, then I'm like, yeah, that was actually a great workout because I can work out again today or the next day. But those ones that leave you on the floor in a puddle, except there's still a time and a place, but if that's every day, one, you're probably, you're working against yourself. You're not recovering. So you're not 
actually getting any like quote unquote gains. Um, you're just yeah. driving them into the ground and going nowhere. But yeah, my friends that I'm trying to convince, like, okay, I know you feel good. Like if working up that sweat for you, it feels really great, but you can still really work your muscles without being in a high heart rate and sweating your ass off. Like today, my workout was I walked on the treadmill for a while, tried to stay in zone two. And then I did just a couple sets of a couple different exercises. And I did a low weight. I was trying to do higher volume and a lower intensity because I didn't want to be sore, but I wanted to get some like some good muscle movement in. And mostly I wanted good range of motion. I was going for some lower squats and I just wanted my joints to move mostly, but yeah, I didn't want my, my muscles to feel fatigued. And so for me, I'm like, wow, I feel really good today. Now it gave me energy. It didn't suck it out of me. Um, and even if you think about something like CrossFit, yes, a lot of times you end up on the floor after these Metcons and whatnot, but they're not always going for maximal strength either, depending on what kind of program your gym's following. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing a one rep max, maybe test every like 12 weeks. Like you're not in there yeah. squatting your, your one rep max every other week or every day. You're not doing a deadlift and then a, a squat all at your heaviest. Like you're training in a percentage zone, but yeah, people look at it as if I don't go pedal to the metal, then it was useless. Totally. Yeah. And it's just like, I think like to get some perspective, it's like, what's, what is your end goal here? Mm -hmm. Like if your end goal is to be wrecked after your workouts, that's like what you're looking for, then you're doing the right thing. Yeah. If you're looking to like have strength, longevity gains, uh, and like gains for your sport, then you're not going to be able to tell after your workout, you're going to have to like, um, you're gonna have to wait. It's like Mm -hmm. this delayed gratification of like, what's going to look like for me in eight weeks, then I'll know if my training's working. Yeah. Like you won't necessarily know after every workout, if it's working for you and we're sweating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're such a instant gratification society that I think that the feeling of being wrecked after a workout and being so in a pool of sweat, you think that like, okay, this is that instant result. So it must be great. But yeah, when you're walking away fine and maybe barely broke a sweat and you can still go up and down the stairs without a problem, you're like, huh, like what's, I don't feel any kind of instant change, good or bad. So it must've done nothing. No, that's the point. Um, And I feel like, especially it, I kn- I've just really noticed it in the last couple of years myself of how much harder it is for me to do high intensity workouts. I really can't do them often because I would be wrecked like the next day, just still be like kind of mentally exhausted. So I just noticed my recovery really slowing down and there's many different uh, reasons for that, like sleep, nutrition, those kind of things. But I think as you get older, you notice those things a lot more. So if you are not fully keyed into those other things, then you're like really backpedaling. If you're just constantly doing those high intensity workouts that you have to evaluate the whole picture. And I don't think enough people are doing that. They're just looking at the workout and like, yep, that was, that was hard. Um, I'm dead. And so it was good. And it's like, but, but are you sleeping? Are you eating? Like what else is going on here? Totally. Yeah. And especially as women, like those things play a really big factor on a health. Like not saying it doesn't for men, but mm-hmm. especially for women, 
with the way like our hormones fluctuate and cycle, like high intensity workouts don't necessarily like help us. Yeah. Especially if our sleep and nutrition isn't like, if we're not sleeping well, and if we're not fueling adequately, like those things can be really disruptive to our, our cycle or like furthermore, like if you're trying to get pregnant or start a family, like it can be really disruptive for our overall health. I was going to men as well, but mm -hmm. I'm really only keyed into what's happening for women. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, men's hormones aren't changing as much as women's on a weekly, daily, like monthly basis. So I think it's a little bit easier for them to streamline, um, than it is for women. And that's what I was going to kind of ask next, as we're talking about this, this has been a huge subject or popular subject, um, on social media. I've been reading about it for years, but it seems like it's really taken storm and it's like cycle syncing. Do you, um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you practice that with your clients or like, do you have any hard thoughts on that for women? I don't really. I think the only thing is like, if you have really painful cycles, then cycle syncing is going to be important for you because you ultimately, if you're if your menstrual phase is really painful, you cannot hit the gym the same way. Mm -hmm. That's just going to be your reality. The other part of that is like, if you don't have a painful period, I think you can work at the same rate, like Mm -hmm. throughout your cycle and women's periods shouldn't be painful. So if you are having a painful period, it's like really normalized, but things can be done. Mm -hmm. So seek out help because I think it's just this, this thing that like women have to, we think we have to suffer through. Yeah. And you don't have to. So I hope that message is also spreading. Absolutely. There's so, and this is something too, I've never had super painful periods. Like I, the day, first or second day or so are definitely, you know, more painful, but never really super debilitating. Um, But like I said, it's normalized and what they would do for girls my age, like in high school and stuff that's who had really painful ones. It was like, here, take some birth control. And that's just a whole nother slew of issues. Um, But it's just crazy that that's what they say to, you know, like 15, 16 year olds, like here, let's, let's put this synthetic, you know, thing in your body and just kind of stop what's naturally supposed to happen Um, and not digging into the issues of wait, why is this happening? Cause you know, things like endo and I can never say endometriitis and and endometriosis yes yeah Yeah. and um pcos are so much more common than we ever learned about or talked about and that causes a lot of folks pains and whatnot and also you know down to the nutrition level and things there are things you can do and different supplements that you might be able to take to help ease some of those symptoms but i think as i've read um a lot of Dr. Stacy Sims work and I did a women's coaching specialist through girls gone strong. So they touch on that, uh, like uh, cycle training and whatnot. I think what it all comes down to is the main point is tune into your body. So I know there's a lot of people since cycle syncing became so popular, the, there has to be the opposing side now. Right. So now there's a lot of people saying like, Oh, that's just useless. It's not worth anyone's yeah. time. Like don't listen to this person 
And I just think there's definitely a middle ground. And that is, like I said, train how you feel. So if you wake Mm -hmm. up because you may be at any point in your cycle, but maybe you didn't sleep or maybe you're sick or whatever. So it doesn't always matter just what, where you're at in your cycle, but just how are you feeling today when you walk into the gym? Are you tired? Are you full of energy? Like, what does it feel like your body can do? And then do that. Even if you are going to group classes, you can still modify like no, no coach trainer or, you know, um, instructor should be telling you like, just lift that anyway. Right. So this is not like the military or something, you know, in this day and age, I think less people are really putting that pressure on, but it's like, do listen, listen to your fucking body. That's, that's the main point I think. And, and I feel like, you know, don't be afraid to talk about it either, especially if you do have a coach. I I think that, I don't know if your clients are super open with you about that, but um, I've the handful of clients that I've been working with consistently the last couple of years, you know, we've just gotten more and more comfortable of talking about that and opening the conversation uh, because sometimes they don't know where to turn. I'm not giving them advice by any means, but I'm like, Hey, it's right. It's, it's normal for us to, to have these symptoms and stuff and just go talk to someone if you really think something's wrong. But so just normalizing the conversation around it. I also work with like teenagers um, for wrestling. And so I think that we really need to normalize talking to young girls about it and then being able to talk to their coaches about it too. So they don't feel like uncomfortable and they can, there's a lot of kids, girls like drop out of sports in that in those teenage yeah. years because stuff's happening and they they don't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. yeah it's so rough mm-hmm. being a young woman but yeah it's helpful to have like strong women in your life where you could be like okay it's hurting today. yeah what do we do totally yeah to be like hey you know I need to modify like something's going on with my uterus like yeah no problem just don't you know lift that instead or something or you know body weight whatever lay on the fucking ground you know take your time yeah yeah it's so important like all these things that are so common and we don't feel like we can talk about and the other one is like peeing when you like squat or jump or something like that it's like so common and we're all so embarrassed about it. Obviously it's not an ideal situation, but it, there's something we can do and like, let's talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And as when I was teaching at um, the gym, I was at, there is, you know, mm-hmm. a handful of women that like, Oh, I can't, you know, I'm not jumping because I'm going to pee. And, you know, it's always like after kids, that's just what happens. But again, it's something that's normalized that actually should be kind of looked into because it, you can do things to, to help that. And that's not just, this is how I am now. Um, yeah. You can, there's something to look into and something you can do, but by all means, don't do anything you're not comfortable with, but yeah. and just being able to talk about it is so huge. Are you working with mostly like adult women or do you work with any kids or teens or anything? I do work with some teens, uh, but mostly adult women. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And so besides mountain biking, we talked a little bit about winter sports. You're in Bend. So do you ski and whatnot in the winter? What do you do outside of mountain biking like year round? I'm still finding my footing in winter. I uh, dabbled with some skate skiing last year. So I think that 
I'm going to get better at that this year. <laughs> That's going to be my sport this winter. I could yeah. see that for you. Um, learning about your history with running for sure. Mm-hmm. Skate skiing. Then I, yeah. I like to dabble in the cross country um, just to get the dogs out. I've tried skate yeah. skiing and dang, I mean, both of them are so hard being a, a snowboarder, um, just getting the, the coordination down for skiing in general, yeah. but yeah, skate skiing is a whole nother level to me of that, that motion. And then just the aerobic aspect of it. I mean, you can make striding um, aerobic too, but I find a lot of runners around here really fall into skate skiing easily. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to explore it more. It feels like a, like a fun way to get out. Absolutely. Explore, explore some. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, before we wrap up here, um, what else is going on with you and your business? I think we talked about a retreat coming up when, at the Sturdy Dirty. And so tell us a little bit about your retreats and what's going on. Have you done them in the past? Yeah. So we have a retreat coming up. It's the, it's like the 5th through the 8th of October um, on the Mackenzie River here in Central Oregon. This will be our fifth retreat oh wow done. yeah um so we'll be mountain biking on the Mackenzie river doing yoga we hire a private chef and she comes and makes really amazing like holistic meals and like teaches us her ways it's very special um and we'll go like play in some hot springs and do some like cold plunging the Mackenzie is really really cold it comes like straight out of the ground it's a really wild river wow. um and it's like crystal clue clear and like blue it's really beautiful so yeah and then we'll be doing some skills on the trail that sounds awesome how many days was it did you say october 5th through 8th so it'll be thursday through sunday okay is this the fifth like year of that or do you do them um twice a year we do a couple this is actually our second year we did three last year and then we did one other one this year and and more to come that's so awesome. Are you, is it you, the chef, and then do you have someone else with you? Yeah. So Rebecca Bell, she's our, she's a yoga and mountain biking um, coach. She's a yoga instructor, mountain biking coach. And this is her baby, her like, um, her little, her child. She came up with this. So it's a really beautiful story. That's uh, so awesome. If you come, she will share. She's a really, really special woman. Um, a lot of amazing stories. Yeah, it sounds yeah. absolutely amazing. Where can, is there spots still? Can people sign up for it? And where would they get yeah. that info? We still have some spots. You can follow me on Instagram, KCM Westbrook. And I'm happy to shoot you a DM with um, the link for that. Awesome. That's really cool. So I will link all that in the show notes too. So if you guys want to follow Casey, you want to learn more about it, like I said, get follow her on Instagram, shoot her that message, learn more about that retreat. It sounds absolutely amazing, especially if you've never been to Central Oregon. I highly suggest going in October, um, just a great time of the year where it's uh, the temperature's good, especially for biking and then getting that cold plunge. Man, that that's sounding good right now. Some cold plunging. <laughs> it's not, great. Yeah, it's not too hot for us. It's actually been pretty mild, but still like I just... 
the water around here is not very cold anymore so yeah yeah, it's warmed up so i feel like i can't can't get to that cold water um without taking a cold shower somewhere but um that's awesome well casey thank you so much for joining me today and uh talking about your life your business and all that hopefully the people out there especially if they're around your area can come find you and learn more about the retreat as well um and oh actually sorry before we wrap up i totally forgot this is really kind of going back a bit but the sturdy dirty and i'm sure we mentioned it in that episode but just again for people who may have missed that or your segment on it uh was that your first race that was not my first race okay Okay, yeah that was my second time at that race though Okay, cool. Cool. Are, do you have anything on the horizon for, um, the summer? Do you have any more races planned? No, I'm going to Canada next week. So that's what I'm most excited about just for fun. Um, cool. yeah. Okay. Dirty Dirty is pretty much the only race that I do because it's amazing. Just yes. like, so, um, awesome. yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Maybe Very some big cool. endurance stuff next year, but yeah. Nice. Very cool. All right. Well, yes. Thank you for sharing. And I know, I hope we can talk to you again and, you know, we'll be dreaming of that retreat. If we can maybe try and swing it ourselves or something, we'll have to slide into your DMS and figure that out. Uh, Yeah. Otherwise, um, hopefully we see you at the sturdy dirty next year. Yeah. Thank you so much, Taryn. It was fun uh, nerding out about strength and conditioning with you. Yes. It's so fun. I I don't get to do it too often anymore, but (laughs) awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, We'll be back next week and talk to you then. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would do us a huge favor since we don't have any sponsors or anything like that and would rate and review us on whatever platform it is you use, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, whatever it is. And if you're listening and downloading just through the website, tearingituppodcast.com, leave comments. Um, We'll definitely engage back with you. And on social media right now, we're just on Instagram, tearingituppodcast is the handle. Like the post, share the post, comment on the post, whatever it is you got, um, show us your love so we just stay relevant and show up in the rankings at all. So again, rate and review, please. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.